Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. It is a Wednesday. We're off the air tomorrow because of the Patriots and Bills coverage beginning at 5.30, so we're jamming a lot into today. And joining us now, as he does every Wednesday, is our Red Sox and Bruins insider over at Nesson, Tom Karen TC, I hope you had a great holiday. How are you? I had a great one, Brady. How you doing? I'm doing well as well. Let me ask you this, Mr. Soccer. Are you more are you more nervous yesterday with the US with a one nothing lead on Iran with, you know, seven minutes to go in the game and nine minutes of extra time? More nervous then, or Red Sox have a one run lead and Aaron Judge is due up first? Well, give me the stakes. I mean, if that's a if that's a playoff game, then I'm probably Red Sox. A regular season game, I'm going with the U.S. because uh, that, that the stakes are higher. Uh, I, you know, yesterday, yeah, you know, to, to bring it to, to to the comparison, yesterday was probably as nervous as I've been in watching a game uh, since since the Red Sox Yankees wild card game. They took the drama out of that one early, but early on in that game, I had that same sort of nervous energy. And man, oh man! Yesterday, at the beginning, I, I was at a, I went to a bar and watched it with a lot of other soccer-loving people. The place went absolutely bonkers when Pulisic scored. Uh, went bonkers when he came back into the game, and then literally people, people were up and pacing around <laughs> during that stoppage time as uh, they just played keep away. My favorite tweet afterwards, I forget who sent it out. Somebody tweeted after that the uh, the rest of the world just got a lesson that American the, the the thing Americans do best or our greatest talent is wasting time and we were able to waste <laughs> off the last uh, seven minutes of that game. Nine minutes of extra time was nerve wracking. Yeah. I watched it too. But I watched, la- but the last you know yeah if you want I mean the beginning of that summer, 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 but literally there was seven minutes that I sort of counted where they had it in in the U.S. half of the field and it was just. Yeah, it was just keep away. It was just kick it as it's everything we all learned when we were five years old and played for the first time. If you're if you're defending, just kick the ball as hard as you can as far as you can. That's what we did for seven minutes. <laughs> you know, let's let's talk about baseball. Let's talk about the Red Sox. I led the show with this yesterday. You know, I don't know how in or not in the Red Sox really were on Jose Abreu. I know we're being led to believe they really, really wanted him. But the whole thing that upsets me is the principle of the thing. And I kind of just came to this conclusion yesterday. If the Red Sox want to get back to relevance this offseason – they're going to have to do something that makes them uncomfortable. And that's either deal from the farm system or it's spend a little more than you want or maybe overextend for a year more than you want to. And I'm I'm much more in favor of overspending than I am dealing from the prospect farm. But they're going to have to do something that makes them uncomfortable, are they not? Oh, I, I totally agree. And, and, and I'm going with C, all of the above. Uh, spend more than you're comfortable with. Trade away some pieces. You, if you want to be relevant in this division, which uh, yeah, we, we've called this the toughest division of baseball for years, but it is arguably the best and deepest division it's ever been now with the Orioles back in it and, and getting better. The Blue Jays, you know, pushing to the top. The Rays, a perennial contender. We'll see what the Yankees look like when the dust settles, but they're in it, as we know, playoff team last year. You want to be irrelevant in this group, the group of death, if you want to bring it back to soccer. Uh, it, it, you know, it, you've just got to, you've got to totally overhaul this team. It begins with big-name signings, preferably the guys you've already got, Bogarts and Devers. Then it continues with needing to add a, a, a decent top-half-of-the-rotation pitcher, retooling the bullpen, probably adding a catcher, 
And you can't do that all through free agency, so it's going to take some some trading. But you're right. It's gonna. Ha- you can't be working on the margins here. You got to dive into the heart of it. I told you this. It's all being held up by Aaron Judge, and Jacob Degrom, maybe Justin Verlander a little bit. They're going to set their markets. Then I think you're going to see things move quickly. I think once that first person sits down in the game musical chairs, there's going to be a flurry of activity. I think we could have one of those winter meetings that begins Sunday in San Diego. I think this could be one of those rare times where it absolutely is bonkers and teams are making moves, and High and Bloom better be in the middle of it. You know, it's hard, too, because fundamentally I agree with High and Bloom and ownership that the best way to build a sustainable winner is through your farm system. The difference is, look at the teams that have done that, right? The Astros did it. The Mariners are doing it. The Blue Jays did it. The White Sox did it. But they all completely sold off everything and were garbage for at minimum two years and in some cases four five or six years the Red Sox clearly aren't doing that so they can't build that model as far as I'm concerned because they are years behind where those teams were at so if you want to just kind of build it bit by bit year by year without selling off everything you better be knee deep in free agency and right now they're not well I'll argue that they already I mean they're the last place two in the last three years you know, so, I mean, they, they, they've picked high in the draft now through the last three years, or, or will after this next draft. Uh, I think they're further along that process than you want. It's, it's you know, that, that's done. You've you picked up the farm system. You're top third in farm systems now. This is, to your point, this is now when you have to go jump into free agency. I think he will. I really do. We know he plays his cards close to the best. We know nothing leaks out. The John Heyman reported that Jose Abreu was the first choice. Now, that's great, but, but Red Sox fans have gotten tired of hearing we were in on this guy. We were in on this guy. That's great. Get in on it and get some guys. Right. Now, listen, I, I thought the Abreu deal was too much. I think that's too much money for him at his age, and, and I don't think I want the Red Sox doing that. I, but but you got to nail down some of these guys if they really are high priorities for you. Get it done. You've got room. You need a shortstop. You probably need an outfielder, and, and you need either a for another guy who's going to rotate through different positions, including the designated hitter. We need pop in this lineup. You need more home run power up and down this lineup. you got to get that in free agency. Tom Karen, Sox and Bruins insider at Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com here on this Wednesday. Uh, TC, Xander Bogarts, we speculated on it a month ago that he was going to be a real target for Dave Dombrowski and the Phillies. I've seen John Morosi today. I've seen Buster Olney today say that it, rival executives would be shocked if the Phillies don't end up with one of the four big shortstops. How worried are you that Bogarts is the apple of their eye? Oh, very worried, and I've been worried about that from the start. Uh, a lot of talk that uh, that the Bogarts of Korea, both end, one of them end up in Philadelphia. Uh, and, and you know, again, will Dombrowski overspend on 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 Bogarts just to prove a point to the Red Sox? Uh, you know, maybe a little bit, but I don't think he's going to go way over the top when there are other options out there. But I do think he would absolutely love to land Bogarts. Maybe do it at the winter meetings next week when all the media is there and he can have a little press conference with everyone there. Uh, I, I think that would be a great little victory lap in the mind of, of Dave Dombrowski. I, I, I was saying this during the season that he'd love to do that. You know, have Kyle Schwarber give him a little call, say, "Come on, buddy, look, look, look what we did this year. Look how happy I am. Uh, come join the party." And and so, if I'm the Red Sox, I would be very worried about Philadelphia. And if you're the Red Sox, 
again, you got to be all in trying to sign him. I'm not saying you want one of the other shortstops, but if you don't get him, I want to see them pivot very quickly and land one of the other guys. Uh, because Minnesota's going to be in on someone, either bringing Correa back or grabbing one of the other shortstops. Uh, we know the Dodgers will kick the tires on everything. There's going to be a lot of teams battling for those top shortstops. And I know you can move Story over, and you can, but that's such a that that. And listen, it might work baseball wise, but I'm in. I, you know, I, I want ratings next season, and and that's just going to. I can just imagine the eyes of Red Sox fans glazing over if you don't add a shortstop and say you're moving Story over and putting Kike in second base. And you know, Jaron Duran's going to be your outfielder. You can't do that. You got to go get a shortstop. You got to plug him in there. Keep story thinking. Basically, he was outstanding when healthy. Uh, make this team better. And and Bogarts is obviously the first choice. Let's talk about the Bruins. Uh, by the way, are the Bruins and Celtics in competition to see who can have the best record the longest? They're running on almost completely parallel records here at this point. It really is remarkable when you look at what they've both done, what they're both doing at home. Uh, it, it's just, it's really something. I mean, the, the Celtics would absolutely own this town right now if the Bruins weren't giving them a little run for the money. Uh, and, and you know, it, it's stunning. It is simply stunning. 13 now at home. Uh, you know, Taylor Hall outstanding last night. Uh, the, the finisher we wanted forever. Uh, but we realized what, you know, listen, so much of this is because Krejci gives them so much depth, not just making that second line better, but, but making the third line better by not having to call the guy out. I uh, love the way DeBrusque is playing. Polino's been unbelievable. Uh, you know, just up and down that, that, uh, the depth of the forwards, uh, they've been outstanding. Swayman playing well now that he's had to get thrown back in there. Uh, just owning the Tampa Bay Lightning now. That's, that's become a storyline. I, I just absolutely love the way this team is playing, uh, in all facets of the game. The physicality is there. The accountability is there. Special teams have been okay, good enough. Uh, Montgomery's got this team playing. And they don't even have Brad Marchand at his best yet. The other day over the weekend when he was saying he's still searching for some answers, it's scary how much better they could become if he gets fully, you know, fully healthy, fully right, and fully uh, playing at his capabilities. Yeah, but let, let's get a fully engaged uh, and healthy Brad Marchand, but we don't need the full Brad Marchand. We don't need, <laughs> uh, you know, any kind of super penalty suspensions. We don't. This team has been nice and quiet. There's been no controversy, uh, at least on the ice. The controversy was the front office, as we know. Uh, but yeah, let's, I, I love the fact that there's more uh, upside to, to Brad Marchand's season because, uh, again, you know, this team, as, as well as it has played, really does have room for improvement. And I think that's a, a, a really good uh, uh, thing for Jim Montgomery to be able to work on with this team. There's upside. Uh, they haven't played their best. And my, my favorite stat right now with the Bruins, and I haven't updated, but last week, they were at a point that's probably higher now, that if they just played 500 the rest of the season, I think they're like 89 or 90, uh, 98 or 99 points, uh, just playing 500. So you could back into the playoffs, and it's not even Christmas yet. It's ridiculous. All right, Mr. Football, Mr. Soccer, Patriots-Bills prediction for tomorrow and USA-Netherlands for Saturday. All right, so let's start with the Patriots. I got a feeling tomorrow's the, the night they finally put together a game. Bills are beaten up right now. We know the defense is going to have some issues. Uh, so I, I actually like the Patriots tomorrow. I think the Bills are falling. I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that the Patriots are going to go on any big run here and, uh, and take off. But I think tomorrow's a winnable game for them. So I'll give them, a, let's call it a one-touchdown win. 
uh, seven-point win. And and here's the deal now. USA-Netherlands on Saturday morning. The Dutch are beatable. Uh, they're also, in full disclosure, when I was on a, I was on a soccer podcast, I predicted them to win the World Cup. Okay, so that was like a month ago. Uh, but they've, they've, uh, they've been uninspired in what I've seen in group play. Uh, they've got a great back line with Van Dyke in the middle of it, the Liverpool center back. Uh, you know, they're, they're a very good, very accomplished team. But right now, the U.S. midfield, and I know this is deeper than you wanted to go, but the U.S. midfield right now, the three midfielders are playing at a level that I, I don't think we're seeing from any other country. I think you can put them right at the top with two or three other teams in midfield play right now. And, and I think the Dutch are, are, are exposed uh, in the midfield. And I think the, the U.S. could win this game. So I'm going to go two. well, I'm going to call it a 1-1 draw with the U.S. winning on kick. I love penalty kicks. I know everybody hates them. All soccer people hate penalty kicks. And all hockey people hate shootouts. But as someone who's a lukewarm fan of both, I love all of it. So I hope it goes that way. Well, I, you know, you know what, I, what, what and, and this, is, this will draw, can you imagine if they advance by tying and winning in kicks? Because remember, you don't, if you go to kicks, you don't win the game in the eyes of world football. You tie the game. But then you advance on kicks. And it would just be the ultimate you know, Sunday morning, the soccer haters in the U.S. will go absolutely nuts if they advance on a tie. Because that's, uh, you know, it, it, it sort of encapsulates everything that a, a lot of Americans hate about soccer. But I think it's great. I think it's going to be gripping. Uh, I'm on, I'll be on a flight to San Diego for the winter meetings watching on that plane. I apologize to anybody around me because I'm going to be screaming. Uh, but that's life. Uh, I can't wait to watch this game. TC, we'll talk to you next week from sunny San Diego then. Sounds good. I appreciate it.